Welcome, fan fans, you fan Levitardians. Welcome to another episode of the Fan Levitard Show podcast, the fastest growing Dan Levitard Show fan YouTube channel. You're going to want to subscribe, do all that stuff, but we're going to jump right in because we've got a huge guest today. Jeremy Taché is joining us. And folks, if you're like me, you're wondering who's the next EP for the Levitard Show? Chris Cody? Had himself a week. But some people have been noticing Jeremy's rise. He's he's declared himself the top white person on the show. He's had himself a pretty good week. His role has expanded too. And I've seen I've seen rumors on the Reddit about could Jeremy be stepping into Woody's role? Could Jeremy be the new EP? So I'm just gonna get right to it, Jeremy. Who is going to be the next executive producer for the Levitard show? Well, I mean, you saw the video that we put out today with Mike Ryan. Um, you mm-hmm. know, a bunch of people in there. Obviously, Tony was kicked out of there pretty quickly, and uh, Chris was given a little bit of a shot, you know. But uh, if you notice, you know, the video was making fun of all the bad choices, and uh, wow. there's one person from the shipping container who wasn't included in that video. So, uh, I think that can lead you to believe to, you know, connect some dots that I think we can announce that Jay Bear is going to be the next executive producer of the Dan Levitard show with Stu Gatz. Wow. So are you serious right now? You're telling me that you are the next executive producer for the Levitard show. I I'm connecting the dots and I think, I think we can all make the same conclusions. Listen, Jeremy, I, I don't, I love what you do. I love what you do. I love that you're here. I just got to, Billy also wasn't in that video, if I recall. So, I mean, if it's between you and Billy as the two shipping container members who weren't visible, you you guys might got to fight for it. And I don't know. I don't know. You think you can take Billy? I think Billy was just home that day. I don't think we can make it work with him. I think that's all that was. Oh, Mm. Mm. Jeremy's saying Billy puts his personal life ahead of what's greatest for metal that is not that is not where that came from so look like to me Nathan do you think do you think Billy could handle the stress of the executive producer role well Billy's already more stressed than the executive producer he has to deal with so you know it's just about could anyone else handle being that stressed because of Stugatz because I don't I couldn't handle that one Absolutely. I would, I would, I would mention maybe Billy turns this into a way of getting away from having to handle Stu Gatz. Hey, Stu, I'm sorry, but I can't play this role with you anymore because the main show needs me. And as we know, the main show is more important than, you know, the other one. So I don't know. There's different, different ways to frame it, different ways to frame it. I don't want to say anything, but Jeremy, I do want to say congratulations. You earned it. I don't know how, but you earned it. And, um, I give you good luck and good wishes on your journey from here on out as the EP for the Dan Levitar show. Thank you. Thank you. So as the executive producer, how, how are you going to influence and change the show? Um, let's see. I mean, probably. Hmm. I think I need to talk more. That's a given, obviously. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I think there needs to be a lot more centered around me, a lot more centered around the things that I specifically care about. Uh, 
you know, Roy talked in the video how there needs to be more Panthers talk. There needs to be more Marlins talk. What is the future like with J.J. Blade? Will Sixto Santos' shoulder ever heal? Who knows? So I think that's how we need to be leading most of our local hours, especially I know it's the Heat playoffs. I know it's the, the NHL playoffs. The Marlins season started as we're recording today. We just had our first loss of the season. So it's Marlins time. Let's get into it. And then also, why can't we sprinkle some more show tunes in there? Whatever Jess is there, I say we make it a show tune Tuesday. And that's what we're doing for most of the Big Suey. So you're saying that there might be a chance we can get a top five show tunes by Jeremy List sometime in the next. Oh, that'll be coming. I think I've already given that one on Mystery Crate. But if I haven't, it's it's coming eventually. No, on our show. Oh, oh, on your show? I have yeah. a different top five prepared for your show, actually. <laughs> okay. Well, we shouldn't waste any time. Let's hear this this Let's top five All from right. the new executive producer of The Levitard Show. So uh, this top five is my top five best friends on the Miami Heat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, OLI. The whole team and also all of the Marlins because I can't pick between all of my favorite people. <laughs> That's our fanfare. All right. Number five. I call him this because we're tight. OG, Udonis Haslam. Number four. Uh, as you know, I'm doing my sideline reporting and whenever we win, I get one of the players in the circle consistently, the guy who's been there the most. Bam out of bio. Number four. Number three, been on the podcast a couple times, Max Struess. Yeah. Number two, same thing, been on the pod, always been close, always been friendly. Love this guy, Gabe Namdi Vincent. <laughs> middle name. Middle name. Gotta remember the middle name for what he did for Team Nigeria over Team USA. Yes, that sir. was the most random basketball game to ever tune into the second half of ever, and I can't believe a Miami Heat development project was at the center of that. And then he exploded and became our starting point guard. Amazing. And then, of course, the man who spawned this whole list, my best friend, my Nickelback buddy, Ty Ty, Tyler Hero. No Jimmy Butler, huh? Jimmy, uh, I don't think Jimmy would consider us friends. I'd love to be friends with Jimmy. Okay. I think Jimmy reserves that title for uh, for some people that he's uh, a little closer with. Your self-awareness is is really going to be the thing that takes you over the top as an EP. Yeah, I mean, Udonis Haslam and Bam Adebayo were on this list. But, you know, Jimmy Butler is where I crossed the line because uh, that guy seems to have a small circle of people he'll like for a small amount of time. Do you have a favorite Nickelback song? I mean, other than my own, probably, probably <laughs> Photograph. Mm -hmm. Can you sing it for us? Lawyer's Photograph. <laughs> Every time it makes me laugh. That's all I got. That's all I got for That's you. all we need. That's all we need. Beautiful. What's it like being arguably... No, no argument. Easily. What's it like being the whitest person on this show? You know, 
Jess hasn't been in when we've made this bit. And not, not to say that that would impact things, but we did make her her own sounder because of how often we were white womaning her. True. And so I don't know if it's unquestionable yet. It's a title that apparently I'm aspiring for. But, uh, you know, and what's, 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 what's always funny about this bit is, uh, you know, the, the Tashes, we are Cuban. The, the Tashe last name is Cuban. And uh, our, our father is Cuban. But, um, you know, still somehow ended up uh, the whitest person on the show or right there with Jess is the whitest person in the show. So I think it's only natural in lieu of your duties. I think we need a white off. That that does feel like that that may need to happen. Honestly, I think I think the best way to do that would be to do uh, refrain del dia, but make it for white people sayings. I think <laughs> I think that's got to be yeah. the way to do it. keep the same sounders and music. Or you could have both of them do a Cuban one, and whichever one butchers it worse, or whichever one guesses worse to what it is, then that's how then that's how we decide which one of us is a. Uh, is is the least Cuban favorite uh favorite white person saying? I like the word darndest. <laughs> I think it's funny to say like that person says the darndest things, especially when it's not a child. When you're talking about like an adult person your age, and you say that they say the darndest things, it's a fun one. From for me, it's after you see a white person hustle a bit. And they hit you with the, well, that's my cardio for the day. That's, that's, that's on my list. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. How about I you, definitely... Nathan? What are some of your favorite phases, Nathan, that you find yourself saying? You know, we've actually done a white people phrases on this show. You can go back and listen to our interview with Lewis, where we introduced that and the phrase that our wheel landed on is I know what side of my bread gets buttered on. Something, something <laughs> along those lines, yeah. messing up the phrase. I know which side of my bread gets buttered or can't. I don't, but, you I know. don't have that one for you. That's not me. Yeah, no, that <laughs> that's not, that's not beating. It's got a little kick to it. Whenever you <laughs> take something that's got a little bit of a spice. Oh yes. Yes. You know, <laughs> Definitely, Which, definitely done that one. That's definitely. a good one. Saying that things have a kick. I mean, so, that's the problem with the kick. You just got to acknowledge. Yeah. yeah. If mm -hmm. you don't acknowledge it, then was it ever really a kick? How do people mm -hmm. know you're, you're one of the brave white people if you don't acknowledge it? Besides exactly. you having friends that don't look like you. Well, th well that too. <laughs> Let's play it by ear is a good one. Is uh, that the white people one? Yeah, let's play it by ear. Yeah, of course. I sounded white just saying it. Ah, I don't. Yeah. I never. That's not one I processed as as, as one of those. Uh, mm -hmm. how about uh, let's rock and Maybe, roll. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> rock and roll. Let's rock and roll. With the finger guns. When you're especially when you're like leaving or going to some sort of physical activity, so like you're the dad getting the kids in the car. Yep. Go like to the baseball field. Let's rock and roll. Let's rock and roll, kiddos. You're going from. You're going from the baseball field to the Cold Stone Creamery, that's an extra hard let's rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, you're on it. You're, you, might, you might 
get Smetty out of here with your uh, <laughs> with your. Well, if we're, making them, if we're making them dad phrases, especially, <laughs> I've had a little dad in me for a while. When I was like 16, I was coaching my brother's baseball team while my dad couldn't for a couple weeks. And I was just immediately slipping into all of the same things he did on the field. And everyone makes fun of me for it. And I'm very much will use all the dad phrases too, especially when you get me around baseball. All right. All right. I, I, I coach my daughter's softball team. So I'm right there with you, except yeah. I'm not 16. I'm a yeah. dad. <laughs> so I had to get into it with the other dads. It was a good it time. Happens. It happens. A couple of coaches cutting it up. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Coach Bear. So, Jeremy, I mean, you cover the Heat. You cover the Marlins. Do you think the Heat have turned a corner? Of course they have. Capitulate. Capitulate, Nathan. It's time. Capitulate, Brian. It's time. Uh, Heat shooting's back up. They've rebounded. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to tell you. That's the simple formula. You have three superstars. And Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Tyler Hero, who are all some of the best clutch time performing players in the league. Bam has a high level field goal percentage in the fourth quarter, and he's your third option. Tyler's one of the league leaders in three point percent and clutch time points. Jimmy Butler, as we've seen time and time again since the 2020 bubble and even before that, is one of the clutchest playoff players in the league. And then you got to have a couple shooters, and the shooters are starting to turn it around. And if you were one of the best shooting teams in the league, all year, and then you're one of the worst, if not the worst, in the league this year, that's going to turn around at some point. I have to imagine that starts in the playoffs, especially if that started now. Um, and all the guys are healthy, and we're figuring out the rotations. And, yeah, also, it's fueled by Nickelback, and that's what really matters. Well, they might need to uh, make sure that that Nickelback – <laughs> Nickel Black. <laughs> I think that's Jimmy's nickname for Tyler. Okay, all right. They might want to make sure that that Nickelback is um at a tune of eleven because after last night's game, where you know you said Jimmy being one of those who are most clutch in the league across the board with how he handles those last minutes of the fourth, he kind of made some gaffes in last night's game, effectively throwing the game away and any chance of uh, beating the Knicks. What's up with that? We can't be having these these untimely losses when we only have single-digit worth of games left. I, I, you must have not heard me correctly. I said, <laughs> playoff Jimmy. Now, oh. playoff Jimmy can exist outside of the playoffs. We will okay. see it on occasion. He'll, we need to win. It's been rough. Drops 35-8-8. Eight eight. We've seen it. Four steals, no turnovers, no fouls somehow, 17 free throws. We see it all the time. But it's not a given in the regular season. But it's always a given in the playoffs. It's always a given in the playoffs. Playoffs, Jimmy, is always going to be there, whether it's against the Celtics, against the Bucks, against the Knicks, against the Sixers, against the Sixers. <laughs> if you're not getting playoff, Jimmy, it's hilarious for anyone who thinks that Joel Embiid will possibly outplay Jimmy Butler in a playoff series. It's laughable. It's laughable for anyone to say that. Um, and so, yeah, the Heat are going to be fine. And I'm going to... fired! Shots fired! I'm just saying, you're kind of guaranteeing that they're going to go on a run here. So is there any, any... How far are you willing to take this confidence that you have? 
realistically, I think there are two teams in the East that are challenging for the beat to the point that I'd say it's a toss-up or leading the other team, depending on health. That's the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics. Beyond that, why am I scared of the Sixers? Why am I scared of the Knicks? Why am I scared of the Cavs? Why am I scared of anybody in these? Why am I scared of the Nets with their best player being Mikel Bridges? I know we lost in a regular season game to them. But to act like in a playoff series with Eric Spolster as your coach, you don't figure out a way to slow down Mikel Bridges. Like, these middle-of-the-road teams are never going to keep up with the Heat. The Heat, whenever they're a mid-tier seed, always are better in the playoffs and are always grouped with the top seeds when we remember it. When they were in the bubble, they were the five seed. And we treated them like they were the best team in the East because they won. But we kind of forget that if the Heat are a four or five seed in the playoffs, they have more advantages. They're a better coach team than most teams. They do better in the playoffs. And so the only real teams are the teams at the top, and that's the Celtics and the Bucks because the Sixers don't scare me because James Harden and Joel Embiid with Doc Rivers is never going to win anything. So you heard it here first. Jeremy Taché of Valley Sports, new executive producer of the Dan Lebitard Show, is guaranteeing a heat at least Eastern Conference playoff visit. Yeah, well, we'll be there. We'll be there. Book it. I mean, do you mean Eastern Conference Finals, Brian? What I say, playoff. It's, well, it's, you listen, say, it's they're already eight. I mean, they're going to be. I mean. It depends on seating. It depends on seating. Look, there's a couple tough matchups, but if our first couple rounds are somehow like the Knicks and then the Sixers, yeah, like that's that's the Heat will win both of those series, 100. percent I haven't been the same since Nickel Black, so forgive me, Nathan. <laughs> let's 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 switch over to let's switch over to. The other sport that just gets you fired up, Jeremy. America's pastime. <laughs> the Marlins. Let's talk about the Marlins. What's your what's your predictions on um the upcoming baseball season? Not only with the Marlins, but with everything going on between you know game changes and how uh, the Marlins season is going to go from here on out after starting you know Owen. What game changes, Brian? Pitch clocks, bigger bases. Man. No shit. No shit. I love the bigger. Let me. I'm just gonna go off on the bigger bases for a second. There was one time that I was watching a Marlins game. I was watching with my with my dad, and the Angels were on, and it was like, oh, cool. I get to watch Mike Trout play baseball. I don't get to watch Mike Trout play baseball that often. The Angels aren't good. They're never in the playoffs. They play on the West Coast. Cool that I get to watch him play for a full game because it's my team and they're in Miami. Cool. That happens. He gets on first base. He goes to steal second. He slides. He's trying to get his hand in the specific spot. He breaks his thumb. He's out for six weeks. And this was like the first injury I had ever seen Mike Trout have. This was like three, four years ago before he was getting a lot more injured. And it's just like, yes, I'm so glad baseball finally did a thing that is so simple and so correct. Stolen bases are more fun. Guys are getting injured trying to slide in properly. And we're having guys fly off of bases because they're getting pushed off. When for a hundred years, when we've been playing this sport before there were cameras, longer than that, if you were over the base and your hand slipped off while you were sliding through, you were fine. Not to mention the guys weren't sliding as fast as they are now with how fast they are. So they're sliding so fast. Just for once. So Rob fast now. Rob Manford actually did something that is just so simple and correct the same way the other leagues do. Where the other leagues just go, oh, there was this problem, let's fix it. 
And finally, Rob Manford did that with at least one thing. Do you do you fear though that ten years from now we're going to be watching a game with bases that are like five times bigger? Because that's my fear. The the only way that happens is if the Savannah Bananas take over as more popular than Major League Baseball and we just start going down the route of hilarity because then you get into like it's going over the grass and how can you hit it? Ooh, but then it'd be fun if you, you're more likely to hit the ball into the base. It could like pop up into the outfield. Maybe if you mm-hmm. caught that, it counted as a fly out. There's room to work there for sure. But I, you know, I, I'll I adapt we, to whatever because I love shape. baseball. Change the shape? I want circles. I don't think that's how And hole covers as bases. No. And then each park designs their manhole covers differently to add a bit of ingenuity back into the game. Listen, I'm just here for the experience. Okay. I love, I love having parks be different. I hate this uniform. Everyone has the same fence. I love having, you know, I have this great left-handed hitter. And we have a short right field and he hits 50 home runs here and he'd hit 30 home runs if he was playing somewhere else. I love that. That's awesome. I love strategy in baseball like that. And so I would love more weird things like that. Maybe not with the bases though, because that would cause a lot of injuries. Thought I had you. Thought I had you. What about what about like a secret base? What would you get for it? Do you have to find it? Like, yeah. So, it, a secret home base, maybe um, somewhere hidden in the infield, would be a secret home base that each team could design and hide, and a player could choose to instead of running the bases normally. If they get a hit in play, try to find the secret base. If they get the secret base before being tagged, it's a home run. I've I've got it better. When guys hit home runs, there's something hidden in the infield and each city can do their own little figurine or whatever, you know, like a hidden Mickey for their own thing. And when a guy hits a home run, he has 30 seconds to run around the infield and find it. And if he finds it, the home run's worth double. I'm here for it. That's pretty good. I'm going to take it one step further. A power (laughs) base. A power base. Power base. Once a game, each manager can activate the power base, meaning... If the runner on base scores from that base at this at bat, it's double the runs. Worth more the farther they are from home. <laughs> Wait. No, I get what? it. It makes sense. So for instance, if you have a if you just have a if you have a, a, a jazz chisholm on base, someone who can get around those corners fast, you activate the power base while he's on first. We get another we get a nice little bloop to the outfield. He gets home. That's that's four runs. Anything you tell me that has Jazz Chisholm involved and he's doing excited things, I'm going to support that idea in baseball. Anytime that you can take Jazz and make something he's doing even more prominent and even more exciting, I'm in. So you've sold me just on name ID alone. There you go. That's all and you do. I'm assuming that you're best friends with Jazz as well, too. Of course, if I had if I had a Marlins list on there, I was considering giving Jazz his own spot, even though it was the Heat list. Because of course, I mean he's he's the best player on the team, and he's on. So how could I not? Well, him and Sandy, but you know how could I not put him on on as as my best friend? 
Yeah, and I, I'm assuming as the season goes on, you're going to become, you know, probably best friends with most of the players. It's 162 games. Of course, yeah, um, we're all tight. We're all tight. Bunch of buds. So. Cutting it up. Bunch of, you know, well, bunch of baseball players cutting it up. You know, I played in high school. Mm-hmm. I get it. They get me. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> what position? Oh, I pitched. You haven't heard? No. I no. Uh, Every time baseball starts talking, I turn into Smetty. And I tune it out. I don't care about baseball until it's October. In high school, I was a first-team all-county pitcher who uh, didn't lose until the regional playoffs my senior year and had a like, sub one-and-a-half ERA. Couldn't do it when it mattered. Uh, it was, there were two all-county first-team pitchers that year. It was me and Los Angeles Angel, Tuki Tucson. Hmm. And he huh. became an angel, and you became an EP. I was fine and Jewish, and he was six one and threw a hundred miles an hour. So that'll do it. Listen, if Dustin Pedroia could do it, you could do it. If I was if I was a second baseman, I could have made it work. As a pitcher, I needed to throw harder than eighty five, and I was never gonna, I was never gonna get there. Maybe with some weight training, I could have gotten to like eighty eight, but I was never gonna get to the stuff that they wanted. Question: What do you? What Why? do you bench, Jeremy? Yeah, sorry, sorry, I, Brian. No, let's go, go, just go. you're talking about weight training. I'm just curious. What do you bench? What do you put well, see, up? The problem is the problem is I didn't do the weight training, so I was throwing mm-hmm. about 82 miles an hour. Um, mm-hmm. But ooh, you uh, clanging and banging, clanging and banging? No, no, clanging yeah. and banging. Just working on working on pitching, working on the things I needed for pitching, and nothing beyond that. Jeremy, at what point? Well, excuse me. That's a that's a fine. At what point will musical artists be replaced as your subheader on your Google profile? Like, I, you do a lot of you do a lot of things. You're an all county almost made it pitcher. You're um, a, a Bally sideline reporter, fitness guy. You're you lift weights. You put them down. You lift them up, but you don't. You do all these amazing things. Why musical artists? Are you gonna like? Has nothing superseded that? Like, what what's going on there? Um, you know, those are my roots. I was uh from 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 my youngest days when I started on social media. That's that's how I cared to define myself. And so, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that going because that's who I am in my in my soul. I like it. Thank you. I like it. And also because I probably just forgot to change it and forgot it's there because it's been there since high school, I'm guessing. You mean uh, since such hits as Helpless, Get Up, Both Sides, what are we? Yeah, yeah, all of that, yes. I'm just going to let that, you're not going to out-awkward me. I can can sit in the silence on this. I'm not going (laughs) to. We've got a little game for you here, Jeremy. A little tache or tashnay. Okay. You know, want to want to get your expertise on some more of the things here. Some of the things we've uh All right, hit me with it. Touched on. Will the Marlins win the division? Tache or tashnay? Tashye. Tashye. Why not? Uh, you know, Steve Cohen, he hasn't proved anything yet. Spending all this money, what has he won? It's not proven. They already lost Edwin Diaz today. I felt a lot more hope for us coming back. I know this is a 
challenging thing for me to say as we just lost to them literally 45 minutes before recording this. But what have they proven? Uh, the Phillies, forget about the Phillies. Never need to worry about them. Don't need to worry about the Nationals. The Braves are really good at baseball. But, you know, I have no logical argument for why we'd be better than them. But, you know, may- maybe we will be. That's that's what I'll say. That's my analysis on on how we'd be better than a team with Michael Harris and Ronald Acuna and Matt Olson and Spencer Strider and Austin Riley and everyone else who's a superstar. But, you know, it's fine because maybe also we'll do it. Because at the end of the day, when there are only two options, it's always a 50-50 chance. And the options for us winning the division are yes and no. So that's a 50-50 chance, if you ask me. And... None of them have a player named Jazz playing in their outfield. So none of them do. I almost it, my brain forgot for a second when you said a player named Jazz playing in the outfield. I was really ready for you to say in the infield. That's a weird one. So one game, get used to it. He caught a fly ball today. Caught a deep one. He caught a shallow go. one. Feeling good. Maybe it's because the help that Billy gave him. I he was helping him out. I think the- so. I saw the first step back, and I was like, because he beat. On, on the long fly ball, it was all the way to the warning track, and it's a deep warning track in center in, in Lone Depot Park. And he got all the way there. And I'll tell you, a little part of me thought about Billy Gill. I was like, oh, he must have taken the first step back on that one. And I bet John Jay, our first base coach, like superstar gold glove center fielder, definitely didn't teach him that. That was all from Billy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Tash or Tash Nay? Will the Miami Heat make the finals? Tash Yay. Tash Yay. What what has anyone else done to prove that they'll be there over the Miami Heat? At the end of the day, it's the same. It's the same guys on the court for most of these teams. Not that much has changed, and the Heat have shown that when it's not a COVID shortened season, that consistently they're at the top of the league. We lost by one shot, Max Struess's ankle or Jimmy Butler's three to the Celtics in Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals last year. We were in the finals a couple years ago, and after the COVID shortened off season. We got knocked out by the eventual champion Bucks in the first round. That's been in the last three years. So not that much has changed around the East. I don't see why we can't be right back there. So Tash Yeh, Miami Heat to the NBA Finals. As the new EP, will you be better than Witty, Tash Yeh or Tash Nay? I almost forgot that I was the new EP. I this is this is wow, what a what a whirlwind. It's almost like you just gave me the news. Um be better than witty. Hmm. I'm gonna go Tashne. I'm gonna go Tashne. I'll I'll miss Witty. He was a great executive producer. Um and you know, I'm so humble and kind, so I feel an obligation to say witty, of even course. if I think secretly that I'll do better. Taking it to the movie realm, because I know you're multifaceted. So, Tashé or Tashné? Is the movie Godfather better than the movie Grand Canyon? So here's my question. What's the runtime on Grand Canyon? Two minutes, 29, two hours, two, <laughs> two hours, yeah. 29 minutes. <laughs> Something and like Godfather's that. Godfather's what? Also... Is it Close, it's I Godfather's pushing three hours. I think it's in the two fifty range. All right. So my only my only thing is I think a good judgment for me on a movie being too long 
is, is it longer than a baseball game? And because a baseball game is the longest thing that I'll sit down to watch beginning to end. And starting today, baseball games are now shorter than the Godfather. This baseball game only lasted two hours and like 48 minutes. So I will say Godfather's now in the, this movie's too long to be a movie territory because of the updated baseball rules. And so I think Rob Manford just killed, I think Rob Manford just killed the Godfather and put Grand Canyon over it. Hate to to side with certain people here, but you know, don't love my allies. Here we are. It's just really, you're really good at this. And I see why you were picked. Thank you. Thank you. Tashé or Tashné? Should the pitch clock be even faster? Tashné. Tashné. The pitch clock's great. I love it. I love anything that puts strategy into baseball. Um, it's creating a lot more singles, like we saw today in in this Marlins-Mets game with Scherzer and Sandy on the mound. Like A lot of guys getting solid contact on things. And I think that's because in part of the shifts, but also just in part of the pitch clock of making the pace of the game a little faster and making it a little tougher on the pitchers a little bit and having guys do a little more shortened contact. And so I think it's making it a more exciting game. Um, and also anytime you can see new strategy put into baseball, baseball is all about strategy and with the analytics of shifts and things like that and what pitches to throw, a lot of that's gotten taken out. So 30, 40 years from now, we'll be able to look back and remember the time that we saw Max Scherzer use it as strategy for the first time. And in that moment, I was like, okay, this is a part of baseball now. The second it was a part of strategy, I was like, this is baseball. And this is great. You know, what about making, this is no longer, you did a great job on Tashé and Tashné, by the way. So round of applause for that. I think I went a little over on the explanations for a game that was supposed to be yay or nay. No, you're, you're good. Um. What about a cumulative clock, right? What if every game <laughs> they gave each team, each team a certain amount of time, right? Let's say, I don't know how long it takes to get to a game with 100 pitches. Let's say 10 minutes. The 10 minutes starts from first pitch to the end of the game. If they don't have any time by the time they get to the end of the game, we got to figure that part out. But listen, think about it. It's it's like chess, right? You got to, right? So... The problem there is that longer baseball games are more exciting because more runs are scored. So, like, in theory, baseball needs to be less long on average, but a baseball game individually that is longer is a more exciting baseball game because more things are happening that's extending the game. So that would be discouraging an 11-8 to game that takes four hours because there's been like 15 mm-hmm. minutes for each team. Okay. Kind of like a long football game is exciting because there's overtime and there's. Yeah, exactly. You know, okay. Exactly. All right. You got me that time. Yeah. I'm sorry. It'd be like if you played to points in basketball and you were still trying to be like, you know, let's, let's discourage them from getting more points. I don't know. No, there's no good analogy. I lied. How do we make baseball hipper? That's an, in, that's, that feels like a loaded question. Um, uh how do we make it hipper i mean obviously the number one thing is marketing the players i think the thing that we've seen a lot in the other leagues that's been really successful is marketing the players basketball is the biggest sport amongst young people because the guys are really easy to market there's only 12 of them 12 of them on each team they're wearing like normal clothes and nothing covering their face when they're playing 
they give these interviews, they give these press conferences, they date supermodels and they're super rich and they play a sport that's really easy to play. And so everyone wants to be like them. And so yes, basketball has all those advantages, but it's really that they're marketing the players. And same thing with football, they're starting to market Mahomes and Josh Allen, and those aren't even easily marketable guys. So marketing guys like Jazz, obviously, that's why they put them on the cover, but also, you know, Tatis and Soto and Acuna and Michael Harris and and Shohei Otani, obviously more than anybody else because he's the greatest athlete I've ever seen in my life. Um, and marketing those guys as individuals, I think is the way that baseball gets a little hipper. And then the sport itself catches up as you do that. Once you make players' personalities, the way that they play the game changes. You know, when you make players like AI personalities, that changes the way that they play the game and their and their styles of play become signature and people want to be like them. And so it becomes more exciting. I love jazz. And so when I watch him play, I'm in love with his style. I love the way he holds his bat. I love the way he swings. I love the way he plays his position. And so it's just enjoyable to watch because I'm like, the personality is amazing and the player is amazing. And so the style is interesting to me. And so the same way, you know, Steph and AI and all of those guys get marketed off their styles, like do that in baseball too. Like kids who are pitching and hitting when they're kids, Otani should be their hero. When I was a kid, like if there was a pitcher who could hit a little bit, we were like, oh my God, we want to be just like him because no kid wants to take the bat out of their hands when they're a kid. So there's so many opportunities there and it all starts with the players that they do have. They just need to market. Last uh, question here for you, Jeremy, because you're the EP now. You're busy. I don't want to take up too much of your time. But I was wondering if you could describe the new studio. The show's moving to a new studio. Could you give us any insights into that? Like, is it going to be connected to the metaverse? Um, you know, is there a nacho bar? Where yeah. is it? Yeah. So, you know, Mike Ryan has a lot to do with that. And so I actually think it's something beyond the metaverse. I, I don't know. They were, they were doing some scan on me the other day that was kind of implying that my essence was going to be taken out of my mm. body, put into the studio somehow, just mm -hmm. to exist as a, as a content fountain of sorts. Um, and they also told me to, to get to the physical studio, uh, for sponsorship reasons, we're swimming through pools of Bacardi okay. um, to get there, which which sounds nice, but at seven in the morning, it's a little interesting. Um, but I hear the parking garage is great. Uh, so I'm stoked about that. We fixed, you know, the problems we've had. Uh, but, you know, we'll see the direction that this is headed. I think, you know, it's got a big golden cane energy and uh, and I'm ready to, uh, to get even more Miami with what we've got going on. And, uh, really lean into the crypto metaverse, taking my essence out of my body to only exist as an executive producer energy we'll have in there. Listen, I'd Another. rather swim through a, a Bacardi than a seaweed blob the size of the continental U.S. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for your time. Do you have any parting words or things that you just want to tell fans to look forward to as your reign of ep begins yeah i mean main main things i gotta plug you know obviously listen to the dan labitard show with jeremy tache um i mean with stugatz i mean with stugatz but you know maybe maybe mic'd up miami mic'd up as well and you know make sure to catch miami mic'd up our latest episode was with uh shocker who's a writer over at the ringer really funny guy really talented writer 
Um, and then uh, this comes out Saturday, correct? April mm-hmm. 1st. Tonight, you can catch me on TV for those who aren't in Miami. Um, the game will be on NBA TV. I'll be sideline reporting for the Heat. So, uh, you know, most of my job is the pregame and postgame and halftime show that you won't be able to see if you're watching on NBA TV because they'll have their own. But I'll show up once or twice during the game. So you'll have that. Uh, it's my last game of the year. So make sure to tune in for that and listen to Miami Mic'd Up and uh, check me out as the executive producer of the Dan Levitard Show. Hey, Jeremy, if you're ever up in West Hartford, Connecticut, I got you at the elbow room, all right? My, my treat. I appreciate it. All right, thank you so much. Later. <laughs>